0: Hey, it's Scott Petrick with another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. Since we last talked, the Browns were eliminated from the playoffs, lost in Pittsburgh, and Doug Deacon announced his retirement after the finale on Sunday. They will play the Bengals to wrap up the season with nothing on the line. Here to discuss a rough week for the Browns and their fans is Dave Chodowski of Go, the WKYC Morning News. Hey, Chud. Scott, good to uh, talk to you
1: under these circumstances, but... I have breaking news before we get to anything else. I feel like it is my duty to let the audience know that you are uh, listening to a fantasy bowl champion. Uh, It was a long ride, but uh, I did pull it out and win the fantasy bowl. My league, I've been doing it 26 years, Scott. I started at 96 when the Browns left. I was like, what am I going to do? There's no Browns. So I started this fantasy league 26 years later. uh, Just won my fourth title. So there's a lot of history in this league. There's a guy in the league that's won seven times. Uh, there's just a ton of history and it's just, it's exciting. So I'm pumped for myself. I'm going to have to give myself <laughs> a pat on the back because no one else will.
0: <laughs> there you go. Well, congrats, yeah.
1: John. Thanks, man. Thanks. I know you're into uh, fantasy as well. And a lot of people out there are, and it's uh, very popular. So that was cool. Um, I-, I also got to say, I text you on s- Monday. What did I ask you?
0: I don't know. Oh, did you I want remember? to change my pick? Did I want to change did your pick?
1: Did, did, did you want to change your pick? Yep. And you said no. And I didn't either, but you know what, man, am I regretting that? Because it, just after watching that game, I'm like, why didn't we just change our pick? I mean, what led us to believe after they got knocked out of the playoffs, they were going to go into Pittsburgh and beat big Ben on right. his final game. That that's, an error on, on my judgment for not switching that pick. But at the same time, I'm like, eh, if I go and switch it, they'll probably win. But you know, <laughs> It just—we talked about that last week. We both predicted them to win, but once they were out of it, they—they they showed us exactly who they were on that night. They—they—they just—I'm not saying they gave up, but
0: they didn't—they didn't put up a fight in that game. Well, I'm gonna—I'm gonna push back a little bit, Chug. Number one, the D—I de- thought the defense played pretty well. I mean, bad average, like two yards a throw, um, especially against the pass. Right? They got run on a little bit. And you know they got within whatever it was late, you know. So it's not like they stopped playing. They scored in a, a quarter, a touchdown at the end of the third quarter, and then one in the fourth quarter. Um, but I, I think it's like anything: when the offense is bad, then everything looks terrible, right? So even though they were down only ten nothing at halftime or thirteen nothing, whatever it was, um, it, it felt so much worse because the offense couldn't do anything. And that's really been the story of the season, right? Is The offense just hasn't been good enough and exciting enough to engage everyone and to take advantage of what has been a pretty solid defensive performance for the last couple of months.
1: All right. I'll give you that. You've sold me 50%. And that's why we do this. I will take back a little bit of my comment. Maybe I'm just coming out frustrated that said Part of why that happened, though, is our original reason for thinking they would win in the first place is that Steelers team is not that good. (laughs) And if that was the Big Ben of 10 years ago or another elite quarterback in the NFL, the defense probably would not have done as well and they would have lost by more. But the fact that we thought that's what Big Ben and that offense would look like is why we thought they'd win the game in the first place.
0: No, I hear you. Yeah, you're you're right about that. And I'm not saying there was no letdown from being knocked out of the playoffs. I think that's only natural. Um, so, yeah, and, and Pittsburgh certainly had the emotion. They're still alive in the playoffs, even though it's a remote chance. You had the Ben factor. So it would have been wise to change our picks. Um, I, I'm just saying that, you know, they were in that game for as poorly as they played. They wound up being in that game probably longer than they should have been. No, you're right.
1: And there was a point when they did score that touchdown in Njoku. I I guess there was a thought that, wow, could they come back and win this? So, you know, I'll ride my comments back a little bit, but at the same point still, um, you know, a disappointing way to go down on Monday Night Football. What are your thoughts? I don't know how much you want to break down this game, how much it even matters, but a lot of national media and local media talking about the use of Nick Chubb and why Baker was passing so much. I just want your thoughts on that. I've heard some interesting stories, you know, both ways, like, you know, why would you use Chubb so much in a game that really doesn't matter, but at the same point, why why not take down your division rival on Monday Night Football and use the guy that should be able to beat him? I guess he's banged up, right? I, I guess just yeah. overall your thoughts on, on the use of Chubb and why Baker so much in the passing game.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting discussion on a number of levels. Like, as far as, you know, do you play Chubb even though, you know, the, the game doesn't matter? Well, you know, there's a whole bunch of teams playing games in this league that don't matter, right? I mean, half the, or more than half the league's not going to the playoffs. So you don't, everybody just doesn't get shut down. Now, Chubb is a valuable player. They signed him to a big contract. I get that element of it. Um, I think the plan was to give him the ball more. And then he banged his ribs on that 32 yard carry in the first quarter. And then he had, he needed some time off, um, you know, and then he still rotate the Ernest Johnson in, which is a bigger argument. You know, should you just work Chubb more? The Browns have been consistent and adamant that that's not what they're going to do. They're going to rotate Nick Chubb because they think it's going to extend his career, keep him fresh into the fourth quarter, keep him fresh late in the season. I get that we're late in the season, but by then it didn't matter, right? They weren't going to the playoffs. Um, so, you know, that's one argument. Then you have, just from a game standpoint, should he have gotten the ball more? And it's hard to argue that he shouldn't have, you know, because he's the best player. He, he, the other option is you have Baker Mayfield throwing the ball, and we know how, how much Baker has been struggling, right? And eventually you have right tackle Rodney Hunter, James Hudson third, gets dominated by T.J. Watt, and that leads to Baker taking a bunch of sacks. So it's all a domino effect from, you know, not running it. So I get it. I get that the Mannings are talking about it on the Manning cast and the broadcasters, Louis Riddick and Brian Greasy are talking about on the normal ESPN broadcast. Um, But I do think this is interesting because I was having a discussion with somebody. Like if you go back and look, so the Browns first get the ball, they run Chubb, he loses two yards. Okay. Then they wind up picking up a first down on a pass, and then they throw it on first down, incomplete, incomplete, incomplete. Um, So one out of two first downs, they run it. Next time they get the ball back, Chubb runs for 32 yards. Well, that's when he gets banged up. And then Ernest Johnson comes in and runs for a couple of yards. And then that drive winds up uh, up being sabotaged because Austin Hooper gets a false start after he already dropped two balls. Um, Next time they get the ball back, Chubb runs for four yards on first down. Now you can argue that they should have run it then on second down. Instead, Baker throws incomplete. He gets sacked on third down, they punt. The point is, and the next time they get the ball back, Chubb runs on first down for one yard. So it's a little bit false to say that they didn't hand the ball to Chubb, right? Got the ball sometimes, but I understand that when you look at it and you go, okay, at the end of the first half, Nick Chubb had four carries for 35 yards. You know, well, one of those is for 32. So the other three were for three yards. Um, I I get it. Right. But he did get banged up a little bit. Dearness Johnson, Carried four times. Like, I get the big picture part of it, but as we've talked a million times on this, Judd, if you break it down, there's usually explanations for some things, right? Now, that's not an excuse for Kevin Stefanski. I think Nick Chubb should have gotten the ball, ball more. You run it, you're go, facing the 32nd ranked run defense. Um, but I understand the thought of they were going to run it a little bit, throw it early, make the Steelers get out of what they were doing defensively, which was gearing up to stop Nick Chubb and then we can run it later, and then you just never get the chance to run it later because you're, because you're losing the game. Scott, overall, where are you at on the coaching staff right now? I, you know,
1: a lot of people are not happy about Kevin Stefanski and, you know, how he's followed up his coach of the year here. What, what are your thoughts right now as, as we
0: have one game left? Yeah, I, I don't – I'm not getting that, Chug. I <laughs> got Chubb on my brain. I, I don't know. I don't get the backlash against Kevin Stefanski. Um, I understand that he hasn't been as good this year, right? And it's his fault or it's his responsibility that the team is seven and nine. And it's his responsibility that the offense took a step back, especially the passing game. It's his system. He's a play caller. I get that. I'm not removing blame. What I don't understand is how, If you thought he was great after his first year when he was coach of the year and they go to the playoffs and win a playoff game, it it doesn't feel right to me to have a complete about face Um, because I still think he's smart. I still think he's got a good personality, the right personality for this job. I still think he can lead the locker room. Um, So I'm surprised that there's been such a reaction to Stefanski. And, you know, I got guys texting me. They should fire him. I think that's ridiculous. I know he hasn't been as good, But I feel like he has the skill set to figure it out. I I really do. And, you know, you talk about, you know, knee-jerk reactions and stability. Like, that thought would never enter my head. So, yes, he wasn't his best this year. But I have not lost complete confidence in Kevin Stefanski. Wow. So, have you? Am I wrong on that?
1: No, I'm still debating it. And that's kind of why I wanted to ask you. I think I want to think about it a little bit more. Um, I guess the I, – I debate whether – I'm, I'm trying to figure out whether I think he should be calling the plays or not next mm-hmm. year. You know, maybe if – you know, everyone talks about how great Van Pelt is, right? I mean, yeah. you know, what what would you think about that? I mean
0: – Yeah, that's – I don't object to that idea. Chud, and at some point this season, I was – I think it was a bye week. You know, the offense had been struggling so much, it felt like a why-not proposition. Why not not shake it up? Why not see if you can spark something over the last five games? Um, And obviously it didn't happen. Kevin Stefanski's resisted giving up the play calling, which I understand. But I I would be open to that idea. Now, I don't think – it would be night and day, you know. They're calling, they're calling the play from the same game plan, right? From the same playbook. Um, but if you wanted to shake it up, I could. I understand that, and I think it would give Alex Van Pelt more reason to want to stay and be happy here because coordinators want to call plays. I don't expect that to happen. I think Stefanski thinks he's a good play caller and wants to do that. Um, again, like you can't say he's been great. It's a play caller, and you can't say his systems has been great this year. I'm not trying to make that argument, but I will say it's hard to be a play caller when your quarterback does not execute the plays you're calling, and I thought yeah. that happened way too often this season.
1: Yeah, and to go back to you asked me what I thought, it would be a mistake to fire him. I'm not saying that. I mean, that would be, gosh, I can't even imagine trying to rebuild another coach after we've done it so many times. There's no question he should be back in my mind. And there's other things you got to think about, too. I mean, and I know all the teams dealt with it, but, you know, the Browns got hit by COVID. You obviously had an injured quarterback. You just mentioned a quarterback that's not delivering, you you know, the execution. So there's a lot of things that go into play here. You mentioned earlier the defense looked pretty good at times. Um, You know, for much of the year, the defense saved the day. So Mm -hmm. there's still some things to work on. That said, I think next year is a pivotal year. I mean, you can't, you can't have another season like this next year. If, if, if that's the case, then, you know, now we're talking two out of three, and, you know, that's not good.
0: Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. I think it's really interesting. And I'm not, even, I'm not saying it's wrong. I just think it's interesting um, that a year ago, right, when the Browns had lost forever, and we're talking coming off the disaster Freddie Kitchens year, if they had been seven and eight or whatever, they're 7-9 with a chance to finish 8-9. and Like, that would have been looked at as as an improvement, right? A step in the right direction. And I get it. I get what happened a year ago. I get that expectations were through the roof, and I think rightfully so. Um, I just think it's hard to win in this league. I think sometimes there's a natural step back after a breakthrough year. Um, The close games that you won the year before, you lose. The next year, you know, it, it, we're talking unless you're a an established dynasty type of team with a Hall of Fame quarterback, right? The Patriots did not have the, the valleys. The Packers don't really have the valleys. The Steelers don't, right? They got Big Ben. Like, the, if you look at that, it's the teams that are great organizations with great quarterbacks. Everybody else in the league kind of ebbs and flows. So I'm not saying seven to nine or whatever LeBron's are going to finish, right? I'm not saying that's acceptable. What I'm saying is they're in a better place than they were a couple of years ago. I do believe the front office is much more stable. I believe there's better cohesion in the building. I don't think it's it's dysfunctional as as it has been in the past when Freddie Kitchens would fly off the handle or Ray Farmer would text the sideline. Like I don't get that vibe (laughs) from the organization. Yes, they should have won more games. um, But I, I don't, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's any kind of blow-up necessary. I think the foundation is pretty solid. Now it becomes about making sure you have the right quarterback, fixing the things that Kevin Safansky struggled at this year, rounding out the roster, and then going and winning games in the fourth quarter because those games were there to be won this year. But, Scott, you just hit it right on the head, though. That's the main thing. How
1: many times how many minutes in this podcast over the last year have we talked about quarterback. And that is the main thing in the NFL. If you have one, you win. If you don't, you don't right now, it appears they don't doesn't mean he can't be the guy, you know, I don't know. We can talk more about the injuries and, and all that, but the bottom line is, you know, and the guy brings on drama and you know, it's just, you wonder if, this contract situation, they don't give him the big deal. We talked about that a million times. Would maybe things be different had he had the big deal? I don't know. It's just, it's, there's so many questions when it comes to Baker Mayfield. And the, the problem is, I don't know if we're any closer to an answer than we were earlier in the year because, I mean, if the guy was healthy, let's be honest, I mean, that injury had to play a factor
0: yeah I'm not I would never deny that it played a factor char It's all about how big a factor did it play and should he have been able to overcome the injury right should the injuries playing, the injury.
1: Should, should the browns have should have they just taken a step back and say hey you know you're just not ready to go let's let let's have you say i mean did, did they mess
0: this up I don't think so and, and no. I know that's not a, a super common opinion but I flashed back to Cincinnati. Right. They win 41-16 in Cincinnati. He's dealing with the same thing in Cincinnati that he dealt with three weeks before and four weeks after. And yet he can complete all those passes and we're not talking about him being injured. So it's only an issue when he struggles. Right. And I get that. And, and, And again, I'm not saying it didn't affect some throws and Van Pelt said it did. Like, I get that. But he thought he was healthy enough to play. The doctors thought he was healthy enough to play. There's no reason he couldn't have overcome some of those things. And we're talking a matter of a couple of plays here and there, right? The the left arm injury did not cause him to fumble on that screen pass, the ball to drop out of his hand on that screen pass in Baltimore that might have changed the game, right? I don't think the left arm, you know, maybe it affected him on the throw to Landry in the Packers game, but I don't think it affected all four interceptions, right? It didn't affect in the second quarter when he's got third and three and people's Jones runs a a hook and he's wide open right in front of him and Baker doesn't throw the ball. That's not a shoulder injury. So there's bigger issues at play here with Baker Mayfield. And that's not to mean that he can't get back to where he was a year ago. It doesn't mean that the shoulder didn't bother him to whatever degree. It just means, I believe, he, as long as he thought he was healthy enough, and he did, and the doctors said he did, then he should have been playing because he's your starting quarterback. He's your number one overall pick. And he and the team just were not able to get the job done, um, given whatever issues they had. So if that's true and you're right, that's a problem then. Yeah. Yeah, that's a problem, Judd. And again, like the options are, do you bring back Baker? Hope he's healthy. Hope that makes a huge difference. Hope another year in the system, you know, improves his, Um, seeing the field and decision-making like Alex Van Pelt said it would when I asked him about it on Thursday. um, Do you try to find an upgrade? Is it easy to find an upgrade? Well, it's not going to be easy, but can you find an upgrade? Are X, Y, and Z guys, even an upgrade, right? Does Baker want to be here? Like all these things are in play here. And I think the default position is Baker comes back as your starter next year because you're guaranteed to pay him $18.9 million. He's under contract. And it might be hard to go find a guy that you know is a better quarterback than Baker. Right. So like, I think that's kind of the default is yeah, we'll run it back with Baker, but that doesn't mean Andrew Barry shouldn't be looking, which is a big difference from a year ago when he wouldn't have been looking because it felt like Baker was the guy. So I feel like this year changed that. Right. And the fact that we're not talking about a long-term extension, like those are all because Baker wasn't good enough this year and You know, people want to blame 80% of that on the shoulder. You know, who am I to argue? I don't put that much blame on it. But then there's a whole lot of pressure next year if he comes back healthy. Then, number one, he better play a whole lot better. And number two, he better stay healthy um, because, you know, that's a key in this league. Guys play through injuries. Van Pelt said it yesterday that he thought Baker learned how important it is to play through injuries and be able to play well. Right, that that's something you learned this year. Well, that's a valuable lesson, but you've to go out and prove that you can do it. You can play hurt and still be able to win games. Of like Ben's done it forever. Kind of like Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, Ben, right? And it's tough because you compare Baker with these Hall of Fame guys. But that's what this league is, right? I mean, this league is a but. The league is you want one of those guys. If not, then you're just trying to prop up your quarterback. And everything has to be right. Well, if everything has to be right, there's other guys you could probably win with. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of where I feel like this season has me thinking about Baker. And now that doesn't mean he can't improve in it's, it's a year ago when I thought that he was borderline, he was playing at a borderline elite level, right? Where I was convinced he was the future. So, you know, maybe it's hypocritical to say this, but, It also feels like that was a smaller success sample size than some of the struggles we've seen Baker have throughout his career.
1: A lot of national media will tell you, you know, Barry, you know, Baker's not his guy.
0: Right. Cause he He does not draft Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a factor in this, right? I mean, John, if John Dorsey were the GM still Baker would have been signed to a giant extension right now, he still might be getting killed for, you know, not playing well or whatever, but that would be done. And the fact that he wasn't drafted by this organization, that he was up and down his first three years, um, gave the Browns enough pause to not sign him to that huge extension and not even make serious negotiations, right? I mean, that's a sign there too. It wasn't like they just couldn't agree on a deal. They never – had serious discussions, which meant the Browns wanted to see more of Baker.
1: Well, we'll talk more about this next week, but remind me, I, you know, next week we'll talk about the final records and predictions and being cautious next year, because, you know, obviously neither of us, neither of us saw them going, you know, seven and 10 or eight and nine. Right. right? I mean, no one saw that, but, the expectations, you know, they were high. We'll discuss that next week. So let's um, move on to this week's game. It's unbelievable, you know, kind of meaningless game. I mean, yeah. really, the AFC North, you know, you thought it might come down to this this final weekend, but the Bengals, But you know, that's the thing. You know, Scott, it's amazing. The Bengals have found a way to win big games, and the Browns have not. You know, yeah. to beat Kansas City like they did, and boy, Joe Burrow, it's like, you know, got to be a little jealous of
0: that. Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, how good does he look right? And he's got those three weapons. If this game meant something, we'd be talking about Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, um, Higgins, Boyd, Joe Mixon. And oh my gosh, the Browns have to face these guys for the next five years. Right. Cause they're all like 24, 25. Um, it's not been a discussion this week because who knows if any of those guys are going to play. We know Burrow, it's not, we know Mixon's not, um, but yeah, I mean, th- again, it shows the margin, the slim margin in this league, right? The Bengals could have lost to the chiefs. They got third and 31 or third and 27 in the Chiefs' blitz, and Burrow throws a great pass and chase gets it. And all of a sudden they win the game. Right. And they need two penalties called in the end zone on fourth down to keep extending the game. So, if they could have lost that game and all of a sudden the Browns would have probably played with a lot more enthusiasm Monday night, right? We could have, be having a completely different discussion this week. That's just how the league works. But yes, the Bengals got it done versus them. They got it done versus the Ravens twice. Right. So there's a lot to like about that Bengals team. Certainly. And you know, I certainly, they were, they would have been fourth on my list to win the North this year, but they win it. And they win it because their quarterback played like a, like an MVP candidate. It's incredible, right? Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, Lamar
1: and the Ravens taking a step back. I think that, you know, I. do you think if, if Lamar stays healthy and, you know, the Ravens lost a lot of close games there with some questionable, whether it was right or wrong decisions? I mean, they, they kind of played themselves out of
0: it. Yeah, they did. Everyone for two of those couple of times, right? I think with the Ravens, the injuries just caught up to him and not just the Lamar injury, right? Just all the defensive injuries. True. But losing Lamar, I mean, they lost him in that Browns game, December 12th, right? Losing for the last month of the year, you know, he's a, he's a huge difference maker, right? Obviously. So I, I think it would have been interesting. I think, you know, if you give the Ravens even one more win, um, you know, then the Cincinnati have to win this week or whatever. But um, I think I think Cincinnati was probably the best team in the division this year. Their quarterback is certainly playing the best of the quarterbacks in the division this year, and I'm still impressed that Baltimore Pittsburgh hung around as long as they did, given what the injuries and the talent deficiencies. But we've talked about it. That speaks to the organizational strength, which the Browns probably haven't built up yet. Right. They have, they don't have that foundation and tradition of we're going to win regardless. So when things start to go sideways, it's tougher to correct. You got anything you want to hit on before we get to uh, predictions and wrap this puppy up? Yeah. You know, the last, I, I did want to talk about Doug Deacon real quick, Chud. Oh gosh. Right? I'm
1: so glad you brought that up. I yeah. yes.
0: I mean, I'll get, I want to get your story. You worked with them. You've been around him a ton. Just first of all, 51 years with the organization is remarkable. Didn't miss a game at left tackle. His miss two is a radio broadcaster since 1984. Unbelievable. Um, Good dude to be around. Funny. Um, You know, if you run into him in a a watering hole on the west side, he'll probably buy you a beer. It's happened to me before. (laughs) All of a sudden a beer shows up in front of me and it's Deacon. It's some booth somewhere. I'm not even seeing him. Um, I, I enjoyed I enjoy talking football with him. If you had offensive line questions, he was a, an incredible resource, right? Cause that's a tough position for the layman to figure out. And he was always great at it. Um, he went to Illinois, I went to Northwestern. So we traded barbs about that many times. Um, just a good guy, a good guy to talk to a good. guy to be around. I think the fans picked up on that. Right. I mean, he's been here for 50 years. Um, so it, it's a loss and, I don't know who the Browns are going to put in there, but they're going to be giant shoes to fill next to Jimmy in that radio booth. Oh my
1: gosh. Huge shoes. Cleveland, you know, you say Doug Deacon and you just say Cleveland and um, man, I'm going to miss them. Yeah. I've worked with them for a long time, you know, in the sports department of channel three, um, you know, interviewed them a million times, talked to them in the office a million times and the watering holes <laughs> a bunch of times. <laughs> Especially at closed quarters, Scott, There you Um, go. my favorite place in Avon Lake. My wife and I love it there. We've been going there. Uh, I mean, I've been going there for decades, but closed quarters is one of his favorite spots and and he has, you know, his spot right there by the door. And um, you know, there's a picture of Deke. There's a bunch of pictures of him in there in closed quarters, but he's, he's a regular in there and he did, he would do the same thing. You, you know, you get a beer and it would be Doug and had many good talks with him. Um, you know, over a soda and uh, a lot of good stories from him, a lot of good memories. And you just, you know, he was that comfortable voice on the radio. You know, you just, yeah. you, when you, when you have the game on, you know, you just, you know what you're going to get. And, um, you know, on TV did the point after all those years with uh, Jimmy and, you um, Tony Grossi right? and Sam Rotigliano. Right. Those were some epic shows, man, back in the day. Uh, oh my gosh, yeah, out. you're
0: right about that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so um Deke, man. And the best part about it is he, he's just so – he's just a funny guy, man. He always does a quick one-liner. Yep. Um, and his storytelling is incredible, man. He would tell you stories about the past, whether it was football or just in life in general. So, so um, yeah, he's definitely – it's a, it's a big loss for Cleveland and the stamina, like you said. I mean, you know, not to miss all the time and, and just the accountability, right? Yeah. I mean, Doug Deacon, accountability. So I'm yeah. glad you brought that up.
0: It's funny. I remember it, was, it wasn't that long ago, maybe three years ago. We were still in the building, so pre-COVID. But it's late on a Sunday night. I'm in bed watching like Big Chuck and Little John, right, just flipping through one of the old ones. <laughs> and Deacon shows up in it. And he does like these funny acting things. And I almost fell out of bed looking. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I was giving him crap the next day. You know, he said he got a kick out of it. Um, yeah. So, multi-talented fella. And, and he could take a joke,
1: too. You know, all the oh, holding yeah. penalty jokes. And, yep. um, you know, just a, just a west side guy. I'm a west side guy. And, uh, you know, I, I just – it's uh, – man, yeah, it's sad to see, no doubt. And, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, what they do to uh, replace yep. him but uh, Jimmy said on the air, you know, it's going to be weird to, uh, you know, look to his side and not have deep there anymore. That, that's, that's going to be very weird for Jimmy. No doubt about it.
0: No kidding. No kidding.
1: All right. Anything else before, uh, so sure. next week, next week, let's break down expectations, the final game drama, you know, cause I, unfortunately that's lurking back in and, and that, sure. that seems to be an issue with the Browns. No question. Uh, so we'll hit that next week. But uh, anything else before we get to prediction time? Kind of a lame prediction, really.
0: Yeah, no, it's yeah. You know, we should have a wrap up with Kevin Stefanski, a wrap up with Andrew Berry. So there'll be plenty to talk about next week. Um, you know, maybe even for the next couple of weeks, um, just to kind of wrap up. You know what? You know was a newsworthy season, but a disappointing season. So now that's all I got. Yeah, I mean we could do real quick predictions, Chud. I'm going to go. I think Case Keenum is better than Brandon Allen. Uh, I think Keenum is motivated to play, even if nobody else is. Um, I got the Browns 20 to 14.
1: 20 to 14. Okay. So are the are the Browns favored by six? Did I see that right?
0: Yeah, that's the last line I saw. So, yeah, I guess I'm right on the number. I should probably mix it up.
1: <laughs> that's incredible. Wow. Um, hmm. Wow. Okay, so you're going Browns. Yeah. I'm going to go Bengals 20 to 17. I just think that there's, even though they're resting guys, they're still motivated to play. I didn't see any motivation. I, I Well, not any motivation. You made a great point with the defense. I mean, I have no idea what we're going to get out of the Browns running game. Who knows how the offensive line is going to be. I, I just, um, you know, the Bengals still want to take a little bit of pride. or not pride, but momentum into the playoffs. They have it. I guess they don't care about the seating. They're pretty much content where they're at. Right. Cause they're resting all their guys. I think so. Yeah. So, I don't know if yeah. it could
0: change a lot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Can't they would need like the Titans and chiefs to both lose or something to move. So yeah, there's not much there. I guess I'm trying to talk myself into picking the Browns, but for now, I'll just, I'm going to go 2017 Bengals.
0: Okay. I can see that. I mean, who knows? Right. I mean, I yeah. don't know how much Nick Chubb going to play. We don't know. If- right. I mean, it, there's just too many question marks on both sides of the ball. Um, but I do, I mean, I've talked to Case Keenan, we talked to Case Keenan this week, and he's gonna do what he can to win. And coach and is gonna coach like he's trying to win. Um, but again, who knows if that matters? The weather could be ugly. Um, you know, it's a crapshoot. I would not, I would not bet this game for any of the no. out there. No, and I have
1: no, I mean, this could go either way. I mean, and then Case had that generic bite about, well, it's a dream come true for any kid to want to yeah. play in the NFL. I mean, uh, I mean, listen, he can say what he wants. About
0: this <laughs> game, but... I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, mean he, I, I do really think that his excitement is genuine, right? He, he got to play like <laughs> he to start one game in the last two years. So no, that's he'll be, right. He'll be excited to play, but that doesn't mean there's going to be energy throughout the team, you know?
1: Right. Well, that's the question too. How much energy will be in the building? Right. Um, you know, so we'll we'll see from there, but uh, yeah, could go either way, no doubt. Well, I guess so. We both got it wrong last week, so I think I'm ten and six, and you're nine and seven.
0: No, right, well, maybe we can maybe I can force a tie in this last. That's week. That's right. Yeah, Before, that for the fun. season. Yep. So, hey, I appreciate you squeezing this in. I know it was a busy week for each other, and uh, we'll regroup next week and talk about the season that was because um, we're not done. Talking about the Browns, there's always something to talk about.
1: Always something 24-7, 365
0: days a year. Tell me about <laughs> it. That's my life. They don't even take Christmas off, Scott. I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you don't have to tell me, Chud. So, <laughs> thank you, Dave Chodowski. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. You can read all my work at brownzone.com. Thanks.